This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today, we are kicking off our Advent message series called Unsung Heroes. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Advent, Advent is basically a season of preparation leading up to Christmas. The word Advent means arrival. And so it's a time that the church sets aside to make sure that we are ready to celebrate the arrival of Jesus on Christmas. And so at Christian Chapel, our Advent celebration culminates on Christmas Eve. This year, we're going to have three Christmas Eve services for you on December 24th, opportunities for you to invite everyone you know, love, and those that you don't know and don't love to come celebrate the arrival of Jesus with you, right? And it's going to be a a wonderful celebration. We're making sure we have plenty of space for all of us. Uh, But Advent is, is really just kind of this time the church is set aside because we realize that life is busy. We realize, especially as the holidays come, that you kind of rush from here to there and party to party and gift wrapping, and some of it's fun and some of it's stressful and some you can't wait to experience and some you can't wait for it to be over. But what we really want to be sure of is that especially as followers of Jesus, we're stopping regularly to consider why we're doing all of this. And the reason we do all of it, that you go all in on decorations at your house, that you give gifts to people you love, that you go to office parties and school parties, that you decorate the outside of your house with lights, everything we do at this point of year is bigger than family traditions, bigger than cultural norms, but underlying it all is the celebration that Christ has come. And because he's come, it makes a difference for all of us. Now, this year during Advent, we're going to look at the birth story of Jesus, and we're going to explore some of the unsung heroes in that story. So if you, if you think of these stars here above me, you can think of those, those bigger ones as kind of the, the main characters that get a lot of attention every Advent. So obviously, Jesus would be the, the big, the only star, right? But in addition, there's the other big stars of his story. There's Mary. Mary always gets a lot of love, as she should. The shepherds typically get a lot of attention, the wise men, the angels. Those are kind of the main characters that we talk a lot about at Christmas. But this year, I want us to focus on some of those lesser-known characters in the story. So we're going to start today by talking about the Holy Spirit at Christmas. Then we'll talk over the next couple weeks about the role of Joseph, the role of Egypt, and on Christmas Eve, we'll talk about the innkeeper. But my hope for you over Advent is that you come to realize whether you feel like you are well-known and celebrated or unseen and unknown, that your story matters. And we, we live in a culture that loves celebrity, right? And, and that infiltrates itself into the church as well. And we change the terminology a little bit because we don't want to talk about being Christian celebrities. Um, so we use terms like world changers, men and women of influence. And I don't know about you, how many of you ever told you were going to be a world changer when you were growing up? It's okay. Like some of you, you were here when I was a youth pastor and I told you that and I believe it. I just maybe don't believe it in the way that we always hear it. Because when we think, or at least me, and you're probably more mature than I am, when somebody tells me you're going to be a world changer, what I think is the world's going to know me. When they tell me I'm going to be a man of influence, I think I'm going to get what I want. Right? And, and yet, what we really want to come to understand is we believe God has a very specific plan for each and every one of us. He has designed you for a life of significance, but maybe not necessarily a life of celebrity. And so, so here's what you have to come to understand. It doesn't matter if you're the big star, the medium, the little, or if your star is so small we can't even see it this morning. Your story matters because Jesus has entered your story. 
And he's invited you to become part of his story. And so, so for some of us, you've, you've lived long enough, you've kind of worked through this and come to a place of contentment in your life. But if you're going to spend your whole life chasing that kind of big star life, one of two things are going to happen. One, either you're never going to get it and you'll be disappointed. Or two, you're going to get it and you'll be disappointed. Because it's never going to fulfill you. There's never going to be enough people that know your name to finally put your heart at peace. There's never going to be enough people willing to come and hear your story that you find ultimate significance and meaning in life. Those things are only found in Christ. So my hope for you during Advent this year is that we all walk out each Sunday encouraged knowing it doesn't matter who knows me, it doesn't matter who calls me, it doesn't matter who invites me, because Jesus knows my name, he knows my location, he's entered my world, he's invited me into his kingdom, and now my story matters because it's attached to his story. So we're going to work our way through this. Today we're going to start with the Holy Spirit. Now I I know it is maybe a little unusual to think of the Holy Spirit as an unsung hero because he's part of the Trinity, right? And, And he is talked about a lot and we acknowledge the role of the Holy Spirit a lot. But when it comes to the birth story of Jesus, I don't know, I know they're out there, but personally I don't know that I've ever heard very many Advent sermons about the role of the Holy Spirit in the birth story of Jesus. I don't read a lot of Advent devotions about the role of the Holy Spirit, but this morning we're going to work our way through Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 and kind of pull out some observations about the activity of the Holy Spirit. And what I hope you'll see is the same thing that I've seen as I've kind of studied through this is that without the Holy Spirit, there is no Christmas story. Without the involvement of the Holy Spirit, there is no incarnation of Christ in the world. And so the Holy Spirit is not some kind of like a little add-on that comes to us after Jesus has ascended back into heaven, but the Holy Spirit is present and active all through the birth story of Jesus. So so the way we'll do this this morning, we'll kind of work our way quickly through Luke chapter 1 and a portion of Luke chapter 2. We'll read a couple of those highlights, offer just a few little comments, and then we'll circle back to it and talk about how the same way the Holy Spirit's at work in the birth story, he wants to be at work in our story as well. So if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be. If you don't, it'll be here on the screens for you as well. We'll start in Luke chapter 1, verse 13. So the story of Jesus begins with the story of John the Baptist. John's parents are Zechariah and Elizabeth. And when the angel comes and announces to Zechariah that Elizabeth will become pregnant and she'll have a son named John, this is the account we find. The angel says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other ferment to drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. There's all kinds of things that we could pay attention to there and pull out, and we could spend our our next half hour together just talking about the significance of what it means for John to be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's even born. But what I want you to understand this morning is John's entire life and ministry is going to be dedicated to preparing the way for Jesus. And the only way John can accomplish that is through the power of the Holy Spirit in him. As you keep reading through the the birth story, you find the angel coming to Mary and telling her, you're going to give birth to a son. And he is, as Chris read earlier, he will save his people from their sins. So Mary has a couple problems when she gets this announcement. One, she's not married. And two, she's a virgin. 
And so she asked the angel, how can this be? And in Luke 1.35, it says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So again, we see the life of Jesus, the incarnation of God in the world is brought about through the life-giving activity of the Holy Spirit. Mary then becomes pregnant with Jesus and she goes to visit Elizabeth, whom she's related to, the mother of John the Baptist. In Luke 1, verse 41, it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And so here again, we're remembering that the angel has already told Zechariah, the baby in her womb will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's born. So John's reaction in utero to the arrival of Jesus is one of joy. And then Elizabeth, as she is filled with the Holy Spirit, discerns that's not just my baby moving, but that physical movement is a sign of the spiritual and supernatural arrival of the long-awaited Messiah in my home. As you keep reading in Luke verse one, Luke chapter one, verse 67, John is finally born. It says, "His father Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit." And prophesied. For the sake of time, we won't read through his whole prophecy, but he's basically saying this is what John is going to do, and then this is what Jesus is going to do. Zechariah is telling us the saving work of Christ is here, and he's telling us through the power of the Holy Spirit in him. And then as you go to Luke 2, after Jesus has been born, on the eighth day, his parents are taking him to the temple to be circumcised. Luke 2, verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon's life is directed by the Holy Spirit. It's revealed to him when to be at the right place, at the right time, to see the promise that God had given to him. All of Simeon's speech, all of his movements, all are inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit so he can show up and confirm to Joseph and Mary what the angels said, what Elizabeth said, what Zechariah prophesied. Everything you have heard and known is true. This is who this child is, and this is what he will do. And Simeon speaks not as a wise old man, but as a spirit-empowered prophet of God to the mother and father of Jesus. As we read through those passages, we see the arrival of Jesus in the world is the story of the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. The Holy Spirit prepares the way for Jesus. The Holy Spirit initiates the life of Jesus. The Holy Spirit prophesies the ministry of Jesus. The Holy Spirit confirms the role of Jesus as the Messiah. The Holy Spirit is an integral part of the birth story, which means Advent is a Holy Spirit season. Advent is not just a time when we remember that Christ has come. 
It's a time that we remember Christ is here by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. There's a man named Dr. Roger Stronstad who wrote a book called The Charismatic Theology of St. Luke. And in it, he talks about how the, the role of the Holy Spirit is not only to prepare the way for Jesus in the birth story, but the Holy Spirit also empowers Jesus throughout his ministry. And then he shows us how Jesus shares the gift of the Holy Spirit with us. Stronstad puts it this way. He says, the Spirit will not rest exclusively upon the Messiah. Rather, he will share the charismatic gift of the Spirit with the people of God. So what I want us to understand as we begin to shift from looking at the scriptures to applying them to our lives is the Holy Spirit was not just active in Jesus's birth to get him here, but he was also active to provide us a model and a way to understand how the Spirit continues to be active in our lives today. And what we will see is virtually everything the Spirit does for Jesus, for Mary, for Zachariah, for Elizabeth, for Joseph, for Simeon, for Anna, all through the birth story, he still comes and accomplishes in our lives today. This isn't just Stronstad's opinion, it's not my opinion, it's what Peter tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples experience the gift of the Holy Spirit after Christ has been resurrected and ascended. And then Peter speaks to the crowd and tells them, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And what I want us to understand this morning is those days are this day. Everything he did, he still does. And so Advent is not a, oh, thank you, Jesus came as a role model and we can do our best to follow him and apply the things he's done in our life. But Advent is an opportunity for us to remember. God became man and made his dwelling among us so that he could die and offer himself as a sacrifice to our, for our sins, become the resurrection and the life on our behalf, and then send the Holy Spirit to us so we can live in the fullness of life with Christ right now. Which means Advent is not primarily an opportunity for us to observe the rules of Christian religion and see how we can apply them because Christ has come. But it's an opportunity for us to remember Christ has come and now he is here through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So this Advent, what I want you to know is the Holy Spirit is for you. The Holy Spirit is for me. Old men, old women, young men, young women, all flesh, we're told, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on. So during Advent this season, my encouragement to you is not just to pray, Lord, help me to remember that Jesus has come, but pray Holy Spirit prayers of invitation this Advent. Begin to pray, Holy Spirit, will you come and work and move? Will you come and speak and lead and guide? Will you come and convict and comfort? Will you come and sow your fruit in my life? Will you come and use your gifts through me?
Will you build your kingdom in every corner of my heart, in every relationship that I have? Will you give me the words to speak to bring life and hope and encouragement to others? Will you give me strength to persevere? Will you give me joy in the dark nights of my soul? Don't settle for just an observation of sweet baby Jesus in a manger, but understand the same spirit that inspired every element of the birth story now dwells in you. And it changes the whole experience of Advent. It changes the whole experience of following Jesus. It changes the whole experience of reading the scriptures. It changes the way you sing songs. It changes the way you hear sermons. It changes the way you encounter problems. It changes the way you celebrate successes. When the Spirit is in you, he points your heart and your attention to the presence and the power of Jesus in every single moment. So let's kind of work, work our way back through. The first thing we see is the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus in the birth story. So Mary hears this angel's announcement, and her, her response is completely rational of, how can this be? How can I be pregnant? And the angel tells her, the Holy Spirit will come on you, so that the son who will be in your womb will be called the Son of God. Now I told you at the beginning, what the Holy Spirit does in the birth story, he does for you. And this is the only place where I'll give you a caveat. You are not going to get pregnant and have Jesus. Okay? And about half of us, the men in the room, are like, thank you, Lord. Uh, Because I always told my wife it didn't look that bad. And I don't actually want to experience it. Right? I don't want to know it. I don't want to go through it. That's super weird. Uh, We we just, that's not going to happen. You are not going to carry the Son of God. But what is going to happen is the Holy Spirit still comes, and he's the one who brings the life of Christ to your life. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals Jesus as the source of righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit who, when we pray that prayer of forgiveness of, Lord, I repent of my sins, will you cleanse me of all of them? It's the Holy Spirit who comes and bears witness with our spirit that we are forgiven, that we are the sons and the daughters of God. It's the Holy Spirit who brings the life of Christ to us in a supernatural way to where we know, no matter what's going on, no matter what I'm going through, I am a son of of God. I am a daughter of God. And so if you find yourself this Christmas season in a place where there is not as much life as you want there to be, the answer is not to keep looking for other sources and avenues of temporary joy and comfort, but it is to turn once again to the Holy Spirit and say, bring the life of Christ to me. May I know that I belong to you just as much as Mary knew that Jesus existed by the hand of the Holy Spirit at work in her life. The Holy Spirit comes not just to kind of give us a few goosebumps in a worship service here and there, not to make us feel a little more spiritual than some others, but the Spirit, he comes to glorify Jesus. And before he glorifies Jesus through you, he will glorify Jesus to you. And for some of us, maybe we've been sitting on a fence for a long time. We've been admirers of Jesus. We've been fans of Jesus. And this Advent is your invitation of you know about his life, but now it's time to experience it. It's time to move from the outside to the inside. It's time to move from the slightly interested to the totally engaged. It's time to move from an occasional, Lord, I need your help, to Lord, I give you my life. And as you pray those prayers, just as Mary did, you will experience the supernatural, transformational life of Christ inside of you, flowing out of you. 
As you keep reading through the story, you see when, when Mary goes to greet Elizabeth, it says the baby in her womb leapt for joy. For some of us, what we need to know is the Holy Spirit still brings joy to us today. So again, we're, we're going into the holidays. And, and it's one of those times of year where for many of us, it's a bittersweet celebration. Because we are happy and we celebrate. If you've got kids at home, it's a, a moment of, man, they're all in and they can't wait for everything. And so you're decorating and you're buying gifts and you're going to parties and you're arranging for travel and it's all fun. And yet, for many of us, we've also experienced some kind of loss in the past year. Maybe it's a death of a loved one. Maybe this is the first Christmas without mom or dad, the first Christmas without your husband or wife, the first Christmas without one of your children. And even as you walk into this experience and you're, you're so looking forward to it, it's, it's tinged with loss and grief. Maybe it's the Christmas some of us have, have went through where there was a job loss or a job change and the finances just aren't where you're used to them being. And so you can't celebrate the way that you're always used to celebrating. You can't buy the gifts. You can't travel to see the family. Maybe it's the, the Christmas after divorce. And Angie and I, we, we walked through that in our extended family. And that, that first Christmas after divorce, it's, it's like you're happy to be there, but it's also broken and something's missing. Maybe it's the Christmas where you, are, you just, once again, it's a reminder of the family you're longing to celebrate with you still don't have. Maybe it's a Christmas of loneliness. Maybe it's a Christmas of isolation. I don't know what it is, but I know the holidays magnify these feelings in us. But I also know the Holy Spirit brings joy. And it's a joy that runs deeper than our circumstances. It's a joy that we can't always even explain. But it's a joy rooted in the reality that Jesus has walked in the room. See, when John is in utero and Mary shows up in the house, he flips around in his mom's belly as a sign of joy that when Jesus shows up, we feel it and it causes movement in our lives. And so for, for some of you this Christmas, there might not be a single circumstance that changes, but when you recognize through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has walked into the room, it will bring joy. You might not stand and sing. It might be a joy that comes with a tear-stained face. It might be a joy that comes in the dark night of the soul, but it will be a joy that cannot be extinguished because it is not circumstantial. It is not manufactured. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit calling you to recognize the presence of Jesus. And you know, in this space, it might not get better, but he is with me. And if Jesus is with me, then I have to believe he has a purpose and he has a plan. And I have to believe though sorrow may last for a night, joy will come in the morning. That though I might spend Christmas alone, though my family may be broken, though it might be all of my fault, I might be broke, depressed, all of it and more, and yet Jesus walks into the room. And when Jesus walks into the room, it's not an experience of, Lord, I will worship you when you fix it all. And so, Lord, there is joy because you are here. Lord, there is joy because your presence is God's declaration that my life matters enough for the God of heaven and earth to become flesh and make his dwelling, not just among all humanity, but in my life. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in me and brings life to my mortal body and brings joy in the moments where I should only have grief, loss, and depression. 
See, but when the Holy Spirit comes and he brings that joy, he doesn't leave it on us to understand it. Because for most of us, when we're in a season of loss, when we're in a season of difficulty, we want joy, but we associate joy with the change in circumstance. When Jesus shows up in Mary's belly and John recognizes him in Elizabeth's belly, neither one of them can say anything about it. John and Jesus have no, there's no like in utero ESP from children who, you know, there's no ESP, is that it? I don't know if it is or not. I don't know. It's not a spiritual gift, doesn't matter. So anyways, but there's nothing, they're not communicating with each other. It's not, John's not jumping and reacting because Jesus has somehow said, hey, I'm here. It's just a, a physical movement. So how do we know what is happening? We know through the words of Elizabeth. So for some of us, the, the, the way we need to experience the Holy Spirit during Advent is we need the discernment that he gives. This isn't the first time that John has moved in Elizabeth's belly. It's not the last time, probably, that he moved while he's in Elizabeth's belly. But as far as we know, it's the only time that she associates the movement of her unborn child with the presence of her Savior. Now, what could possibly make her do that? Well, we're told Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to talk about what the Lord was doing. And so when we talk about discernment, we're not just talking about, Lord, help me to know which way to go. But what we're really praying is, Lord, help me to discern your presence in my life. And help me to understand that you are here, you are working, and you are active. As a, a pastor, one of the most common issues I encounter with people, especially in seasons where they feel like spiritually they're dry, that God is far, he's not hearing, he's not answering, is this idea of God's just not speaking to me. He's not doing anything. And so we go through the normal questions of, well, are you reading your Bible? If they say no, it's like, well, start there, it'll help. Are you praying? No. Well, let's do that. All right, it'll, it'll help as well. And normally there's some very simple things of God's not speaking. Well, that's, that's just because we're typically not paying attention or doing anything. But the other part of that, sometimes they say, you know what I am? I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm involved in a home group. I'm serving. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. And yet God still feels far and he feels distant. And one of the, the last questions that I always ask is, when you sense even the smallest inkling that God is moving, are you acknowledging it to yourself and are you sharing it with someone else? Because this is what Elizabeth does. Discernment is not just I know which way to go and I'm going to walk in it. Discernment is when I perceive the activity of God in the world, I'm going to jump with both feet onto that path and then I'm going to start telling everyone else, look what I found. Look what God is doing. Because here's what happens on the other side. God is, I promise you, he is speaking to you this morning. He sent his son. This is what Advent is all about. He sent Jesus as his revelation. If you're wondering, does God care? Does he know me? Is he involved? Advent is his perfect and final answer of yes. He does. He wants to be part of your story. He wants to invite you into his story. And yet, as you begin to recognize that, you've got to start talking about it. And what discernment creates is spaces for more discernment. When you discern God is working here and you begin to share it with others, then you, it becomes a little bit easier to see where he's working here and a little bit easier to see where he's working here and a little bit easier to see where he's working here. But the opposite of that is also true. If God works, I discern, but I stay silent. It gets a little bit harder the next time for me to discern what he's doing. 
and a little bit harder for him to, me to discern the next time what he's doing. And, and eventually I get to that point where I'm convinced God's not doing anything. And instead of talking about how he is working, all I talk about is how he's not working. Instead of talking about all the ways he's coming through for me, I talk about all the ways that I think he's letting me down. And we've got an opportunity on either side to create a circle of reinforcement. And what Elizabeth models for us is when the Spirit moves and speaks, we speak. And you see this again. So, so you can keep going. You can go to Zechariah. You can go to Simeon. And what we see is the Holy Spirit inspires our speech. When the Holy Spirit works inside of you, he always intends for it to come out of you. What he speaks to you, he wants to speak through you. So, so Mary and Joseph, they're young parents. Jesus is eight days old. They're going to the temple and they're carrying with them all of these thoughts and all of these promises and all of these experiences. If you've ever had an eight-day-year-old baby, you know they're probably exhausted if you've ever given birth in a manger, you know they're probably extra exhausted. If you ever traveled out of town to give birth in a manger, you know they're super exhausted. If you've ever been pregnant and had your whole community whispering about how'd she get pregnant and what's going on, they're not married, you know that even that moment of celebration, there can still be kind of tinged with this, oh, how are people going to respond? And so you have Mary and Joseph walking to the temple. Jesus is eight days old. They're tired and they're worn out and they get there. And Simeon comes running to meet them. And he grabs that child and he begins to tell him, this is who Jesus is. Lord, now I can die in peace because I beheld the Savior of the world. Then later a woman named Anna, a prophetess, comes and she begins to declare who Jesus is and what he will do. And Luke tells us all of this is stored away in Mary and Joseph's heart. And it's a reminder to them that everything the angel has said, everything that has been prophesied over their child, every word that has been spoken will come to pass. So what I want us to understand this morning is the same way the Spirit inspired the speech of Elizabeth and Zechariah, the same way the Spirit inspired the speech of Simeon and Anna, so too he still inspires our speech today. As men and women who walk with Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit, it should be noticeable in what we say, how we say it, and where we say it. And so this Christmas, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer that I'm praying before I go into every situation, before I go to work, before I interact with my family, before I go to, I mean, pray with me. High school basketball starts tomorrow night. I need the Spirit not just to inspire, but to limit my speech. Right? I'm going to need help. We went to a game yesterday, and my wife said, why are you yelling at the ref? Our kid's not even playing yet. I'm like, I don't know. I just, I need help. You need help. Not just to control it, but we want to speak spirit-inspired speech. And so if you don't know what that looks like, go back and read what Zachariah says. Read what Anna says. Read what Simeon says. Read what Elizabeth says. And what you'll see is spirit-inspired speech is uplifting and it's encouraging. It points to the activity and work of Jesus in the world. It doesn't call people for what they are or who they are, but it calls out who they will be in the kingdom of Christ. It declares that no matter how dark their life may be, light has come. It declares that no matter how depressing their circumstances might be, joy is here. It tells them you might be hopeless, you might be alone, you might feel overlooked and forgotten, but Christ has come for you and to you. 
to bring you life. And as we began to speak words of life to the world around us, it stands out like a city on a hill, like light shining in darkness, because we live in a culture defined by criticism and cynicism, by anger and jealousy, by gossip and backbiting. And when we as followers of Christ not only refuse to participate in that, but instead begin to embrace and to share the life-giving words of the Spirit, others will see, will notice, and will ask, what's going on? And when they ask, the Spirit will once again inspire your speech to point to the presence of Jesus in your life and what he wants to do in their life. And in that moment, you have one of the greatest privileges that any human can ever know, the privilege of putting words on the move of God in another person's life. Because you will never speak to anyone. You will never stand to share in any situation where the Spirit of God is not already at work. He has been drawing. He He has been leading. He has been calling men and women to himself. And that neighbor, that friend, that family member, that classmate, they're not waiting for you to convince them. They're just waiting for someone to come and say, that stirring in your soul, this is what it is. That conviction that you feel, it's good and it leads you to repentance. That unease, that lack of sleep, whatever it is in your heart, as you hear them express it, you begin to see and understand and perceive God is working and he's moving. And you get to be the messenger of life, not of sin and death and condemnation, but you come to say, hey, look, I know it's bad, but let me tell you about the one who's with you. I know it's lonely, but let me tell you about the one who will never leave you or forget about you. I know the pain is deep, but let me tell you about the God who can bring healing. I know the grief is heavy, But let me tell you about the God who restored my joy. I know the marriage is broken, but let me tell you how Jesus can turn your hearts back towards each other. I know you haven't spoken to the child in years, but let me tell you about the God who turns the hearts of sons to fathers and fathers to sons. And in that space, as you begin to speak the words of life, you do it with freedom and you do it with joy, and you in that moment recognize, this is not me. I'm not this smart. I'm not this eloquent. There's no way I would know these things. And what's happening, the Spirit himself is speaking through you to glorify Jesus and to bring his sons and his daughters into his kingdom. This is the greatest gift any of us have to offer at Christmas. It's the greatest use of our time, our resources, our energy. And so if you'll stand with me, I want to pray with us that we will experience the power of the Holy Spirit at Christmas. We you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus, we come to you today so thankful for Advent and opportunity it gives us to stop and reflect on your power and your presence. Jesus, we thank you that our stories matter. Our lives have significance because you have entered into them. And we recognize, Lord, that all of that was done by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so now, Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives. I pray that you would give each of us in the room, each of those worshiping with us online, an awareness that you are present in this moment in our life. Holy Spirit, for those who are here who have never said yes to you, will you come and reveal Jesus as their Savior? As they pray for their sins to be forgiven, may they take their place as your sons and your daughters. Lord, I pray for those who are here with us, who are worshiping online with us, and 
and they long for an experience of real and authentic joy. Holy Spirit, today we pray that you would come and bring joy unspeakable into our hearts and minds. Will you come and remind us that Jesus has walked into the room and so everything is different. Holy Spirit, I pray for those who are trying to discern the path that you are leading them on. Will you come today and give your gift of discernment to us? Help us to perceive what you're doing. And Holy Spirit, as you come and you bring life and you bring joy and you bring discernment, will you inspire our speech? Give us the ability to share what you are doing with the world around us. Lord, I pray for every man, woman, teenager, child, that as we go out into our homes, our neighborhoods, our classrooms, our jobs this week, that we would speak words of life, words of hope, words of encouragement, words inspired by the Spirit, declaring the presence and the activity of Jesus in our world. Lord, help us to see those around us that you're calling us to share these words of life with. And as we begin to open our mouth and speak, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would work and move in their lives as you have in ours. Jesus, we are coming today to ask for this Advent to be a season where we experience the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit individually and together. Lord, at Christian Chapel, we want to be a place where we know we are the sons and the daughters of God because of the assurance of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So Holy Spirit, will you come once again move, work, lead, guide, convict, comfort, reveal. We pray that you will come and restore, that you will come and renew, that you will come and do what each of us have come longing to experience today. Will you point our eyes and our hearts towards Jesus? And will you remind us that we are the sons and the daughters of God, fully known and fully loved? In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.